Hey, and thanks for joining me on another episode of Not Your Average Hunter. My name is Ethan Mathias, and tonight I've got two of my good buddies, Brandon Cook and Corey Cook. Both of them from Tennessee. They've both moved. Corey's now in Texas. Uh, Corey runs Rod and Gun Outdoors. Great company for good apparel, hats, clothing, different things like that. You can follow Corey on Instagram, Rod, the letter N, Gun, Outdoors. And you can follow Brandon Cook at Tall underscore Timber underscore Media. Thanks and hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hey, what's going on? What's going on, Ethan? How are you, man? Good, good. Brandon, you there? Uh, brother. Glad to have you on, even though Corey took an hour to finally show up. Got the kiddo down in bed and just fixed me a cold drink. I'm ready to swap some stories. What you, what you sipping on tonight? I'm having me a little ranch water. Oh, man. Tequila and lime juice and Topo Chico. Oh, really doing it right. Brandon, what about you? I'm drinking Bike Rack Brewing Company Amber Ale. Oh, is that a local one there in Arkansas, Brandon? Yeah, it is. Nice. I'm sipping on a Wiseacre. Somebody left go. him at a, Yeah, somebody left him at the house, so why not? Heck yeah. Can't go wrong with a good old Memphis beer. Yeah. Watch the Grizzlies <laughs> play right now. Brandon Corey. Tell everybody who's listening who uh, who you guys are and what you do. Corey, go ahead. No, I'll jump in. Um, my name's Corey Cook. Uh, I live in Texas now. I grew up in, in Tennessee, and uh, Brandon and I are cousins. And we uh, lived together through most of college and went to school together at Ole Miss and uh, had some fun times hunting and fishing over the years. And, uh, and now we're a little more spread out geographically, but we still like to get together and shoot some birds yeah i'm brandon cook i'm born and raised in west tennessee ethan and i school together i got to see ethan through a skater phase um you know i don't think you're i don't think the people that listen to the podcast know how big a skateboard you were man um but uh brandon i i got a buzzy it broke up like three times start over again saying who you are okay Yep, and I'm Brandon. I'm uh, uh, live in Nashville. Ethan, I've known Ethan for what since middle school, skater boy days, and sixth grade, sixth grade, <laughs> and in Nashville have a wife, Elizabeth, a new one on the way, doing in about six weeks, and uh, I uh, I currently am in sales for Weg Electric, so I'm sitting in Arkansas right now. I've been seeing customers all day. They're scouting new property. Not up in northwest Arkansas, <laughs> but I tell you what, I'm scouting some of these places to bass fish up here. I'll tell you that right now. There you go. Oh, yeah. There you go. It's cool to have two cousins on. Brandon, I know you've been hunting longer than Corey and I combined, but I'll start with you first. Uh, how how long have you been hunting, Brandon? Man, I have been duck hunting since – 12 years old, 13 years old, somewhere around there. I've been around hunting my entire life. I think, you know, most of, most of the guys you run into our age were at least brought up around it in some, some form or fashion. But, um, I've been duck hunting for probably about 18 years now. Uh, my father got me into it. Uh, have an uncle who's, who's a diehard duck hunter in Arkansas. And, um, and of course I've been hunting and, and got into turkey hunting the past couple of years, but, been duck hunting for 18 years, I'd say, and, and have loved every second of it. And then, Corey, I feel like you and me kind of – well, I guess you probably got into it a little bit before I did, but 
because you guys hunted in college. But what about you? Yeah, I got to give uh, I got to give Brandon credit on this one, you know. So, so Brandon and I's dads are brothers, and um, Brandon grew up in in West Tennessee, outside Memphis, and and I grew up in East Tennessee. So I grew up my whole life fishing and doing outdoor stuff, but I didn't really get into duck hunting per se until uh, the beginning of college. And I got to thank Brandon for that. You know, he was getting on me for a long time. We got to go. We got to go. You're going to love it. And I was this broke college kid who didn't have a, a shotgun and a set of waders. And so I borrowed a shotgun from my grandfather and scrounged up an old pair of Hodgman waders that had a leak in both boots and, and got out there. And uh, I got to give Brandon the credit for that. He got me into it and and got hooked, obviously, instantly and, and been hunting ever since. So I guess running on 12 or 13 years now, but uh, it's a blast. And, and Brandon and I have some, some fun stories from those early days of hunting together in college. Oh, and I, I'm absolutely going to dive into that. I can't, there's some great stories. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I'll have to give Brandon credit as well. He, uh, he didn't take me on my first duck hunt, but he's the one that truly got me into it. Moved up to Nashville. Brandon and Pat Patterson said, Hey man, have we, we're at a bar on like a Friday night and they're like, Hey, you want a duck hunt tomorrow? And I had some old lacrosse waiters from the nineties. Ended up going out there, had a blast, and I've been hooked ever since. Gotta love it. Gotta yeah. love it. Except the only downside is your, your cousin is terrible. I'll, I'll hate him forever for this. You know, I grew up deer hunting, and you don't want to layer up too much when it's cold because you'll start to sweat, and your sweat will freeze. The next morning, it was like freezing. Brandon, out, his room was right across from mine. He's like, dude, don't, don't wear a whole lot of clothes. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean – Brandon knows what he's doing. <laughs> Dude, it's like 20 degrees. It may be colder than that. So I'm wearing like office like socks, blue jeans, T-shirt. I'm freezing my balls off. And Brandon's just laughing at me. He's like, why are you shivering? I was like, you, I, I thought I'd be warm. And he's like, Dude, I can't believe you listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a heck of a hunter, but he's never been accused of being the brains of the group. So <laughs> no, you can't absolutely. always take his word for it. <laughs> absolutely not but tell me some of the uh stories about y'all i don't know if y'all duck hunted together as kids but i know y'all definitely did when you lived in college tell me about some of y'all's early hunts together i'm gonna go ahead and jump in on this one and get out in front of the curve because i know that brandon's gonna tell the story <laughs> so i'm gonna go ahead and tell tell on myself here so going back you know brandon's like you gotta you gotta come with me man it's gonna be a blast i'm like all right i'm all about it so I borrow an 870 Magnum from my grandfather. He goes, you can have this, you know, for the semester, take care of it. And he gave me an old pair of Hodgman waders, had a leak in both boots. And so I'd, I'd get my blue jeans on and take uh, Walmart trash bags and, and duct tape them over my feet so that my socks wouldn't get wet. And I'd get out there. And the first hunt we did together was at a, a public land hunt about two, two and a half hours south of Oxford mm-hmm. at a, a O'Keefe WMA. And yep. so Brandon and I say, all right, we're going to go out there. And two other good buddies uh, were coming with us that, that day too, our, our buddies, Miles and Zane. And so we load up, we're going to go out there for this hunt. And I've shot skeet plenty of times, decent shot. And, you know, been watching all kinds of videos and hearing stories. And I just can't wait to get on some live birds. And we get down there. You got to be at the gate. The gate unofficially opens at five o'clock and, and it's not really a gate, but, but, per se you can't leave the parking lot until 5 a.m and then everybody it's a madhouse to rush to your spot 
we get down there. We leave Oxford about 2 a.m. We get down there about 4 o'clock, sit in the parking lot, get loaded up. We get out there. We get to our spot. The adrenaline's pumping. I'm, I'm ready to go. And first bird of the morning, man, a Drake shoveler just comes humming in there. I'm talking <laughs> this green head is shining. The teeth are smiling. I'm all jacked up. It's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And this bird comes humming in, and I pull up and, and wrap off three quick shots. And we don't drop the bird. And, and Brandon kind of looks at me and he goes, what's going on over there, man? I said, I'll tell you what. I got so excited the first shot, I closed both my eyes. The second <laughs> shot, I closed my right eye looking down the barrel. And the third shot, I had the right eye down the, down the barrel, but the bird was out of range. And he goes, damn, son. <laughs> you got out, got out in front of that one. That was that was a, <clears throat> that was a great that was a great first three shots from somebody uh, I got into duck hunting. That was that was fantastic. And that that was a fun hunt. We were sitting on a levee um, at O'Keefe um, WMA. It was, in, it was in flooded corn that year, if I remember yeah, correctly. Flooded corn, and we were sitting up on a levee and had a nice row corn in front of us. And we did, we shot a we shot a good amount of birds out of that field that year. Had a, we some, did had some yeah. good had some good timber hunts too. But um, but no, that was hilarious. And I mean, you know, we there were so many stories. On, I mean, there were enough times that you know I I have irritable syndrome and you know i i I have to take modium ad before we went out in the morning or else well the good lord himself would get my keep me on schedule and um (laughs) needless to say there were numerous times where i had to hold on to a mojo mojo pole leaning over a you know a little water off the levee make sure uh Make sure While I Corey's in the corner gagging. Yeah. yeah, I can't tell you the number of times I had to pull over on the side of the road for him to take a bathroom break on that drive down there, especially that one parking lot that turned into a uh, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a that was a rough morning right there. But you look back on those days, and I mean, like Corey said, we we're broke college kids. We we're drinking dadgum steel reserve fist and eating you know nine nine cent chicken caesar wraps from wendy's from and, wendy's yeah you know, wrapping, our, wrapping our wrapping our legs and and trash bags and duct tape so our waiters have some holes in them and trying to you know trying to find any any shot that's cheap you know that's legal steel shot so we almost had a few times this year brandon where we had to wrap our legs in garbage bags just oh, kept shoot. punching holes and waiters everybody mm-hmm yeah. Uh, so, Brandon, I know, I know your dad. He duck hunts uh, quite a mm-hmm. bit. Corey, I know your dad. He hunts. I've I've never hunted with your dad. Is he is he a duck hunter, deer hunter? Is that where you learned to fish? He, he is now. I learned to fish from my dad and my grandfather, and um, you know, he really got more into the duck hunting shortly after I did. You know, I told him, "Hey, this is so much fun. You got to jump on board with it." And so he'd start coming with you know, Brandon's dad and our other uncle and come with me when, you know, visiting me out in Texas, we'd always try to schedule a couple of duck hunts in there. And so he's really gotten into it the past handful of years as well, but uh, he didn't grow up doing it, you know, being over in East Tennessee as, as much as um, Brandon and his dad did right there on off the Mississippi river. And I, I was curious if they ever did it or if y'all had ever heard any stories of when they were growing up, you know, them having similar times like y'all did where, you know, you're scouting new property or, you know, <laughs> hanging over a levee on a mojo pole. 
Oh, I'm sure they did. You know, uh, maybe not the exact same stuff as, as <laughs> duck hunting, but I've heard numerous stories of um, my dad had a roommate who was big outdoorsman and always, he said he always kept a skillet on the stove with, with grease in it and he always had it going. And whether he was coming home and tossing a, a crappie in there to fry up some fish for dinner or shooting a squirrel off the power line beside their house, he was <laughs> cooking something up. So plenty of shenanigans fr- from, uh, from our parents as well. Uh, I don't doubt that at all. Well, for uh, for those who don't know, I kind of want to dive into this, and then got a bunch of other stuff I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey, you own a company called Rod and Gun Outdoors. Brandon, you're the owner of Tall Timber Media. I kind of want to dive into a little bit of, of both of those. Just Corey, if you don't mind, you know, tell everybody what Rod and Gun is, what inspired you to you know start it, and kind of what your story's been ever since the first day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rod and Gun Outdoors, I created that, um, gosh, I guess it's been almost three and a half years now, about the fall of 2018, you know, going back to stories we were talking about earlier, just grew up fishing and hunting outdoors in general, just always have loved it and was looking for kind of a way to parlay that into something more than, um, more than just a hobby. And so I, I started Rod and Gun Outdoors in, in 2018 as kind of an outdoor um, photography company. I do I do outdoor photography, hunting and fishing photography, as well as working with some outdoor brands um, in the industry. And uh, and also have a little bit of apparel, hats, and, and performance fishing shirts and some gear. And it's constantly kind of evolving different routes. You know, sometimes it's more focused on the outdoor photography. Sometimes it's... Um, you know, focused on working with certain brands and, and doing some things in that route. But it was mainly just a way for me to channel my love for the outdoors um, into a place where I can share that, you know, photos and videos with others and kind of grow a, a brand in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, I'm actually wearing one of your hats right now. These, whatever hat brand you have, these are some of the best hats. They fit right. I like the patch on them. They look good. Shoot, yeah, man. Except for the one my dog chewed up, but I ordered one the next day. So, not the end of the world. But, dude, even even like Brandon and I, we rock your uh, those pia or the it's like the fishing shirts you have. They're they're awesome. They're man. they're so comfortable. I'm sure my wife's tired of seeing me walk around in the house in them, but I, I'm biased, obviously. But I wear one just about every day. They're so dang comfortable. Oh yeah, you shoot really good content, and can't wait to see what the future holds for for Rod and Gun. I'll definitely support it either way I can, and. Uh, Brandon, I appreciate it, man. It's, it's been, it's been fun, you know, kind of learning and, and, and getting into it. And I know you're going to jump over to talk about what Brandon's doing, but he's got some really cool ideas of what he's working on now too. So. Yeah. And Brandon, before, I don't want to cut you off, but I got to interrupt you before I even knew it was Brandon. I kept seeing all these pictures. I was like, man, that's a, it's a badass looking duck hole. And then I look at another one. And I was like, man, that looks familiar. <laughs> I was like, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I know that oak tree, but I know that oak tree or something. And then a couple couple weeks go by, and I'm like, man, golly, this guy's killing. <laughs> like seeing all these straps of birds, and I was like, wait a minute. I killed that same exact <laughs> I kept re- I kept reaching out for like two or three weeks, and I was like, hey, man, who, who are you? You know, I just want to introduce myself, and I'd never get an exact response, and I'd get some weird shady thing and then imagine that yeah and then finally somebody in our in our club was like dude that's branded and i was like you're kidding me where is he taking all these pictures at 
Tell me a little bit what kind of inspired you, what kind of got you into that. Yeah, mine's mine's not, you know, I love the outdoors and I've always done it. And um, I've never taken enough pictures uh, first off. And so it's another way for me just to kind of put my outdoor life on social media um, in that sense. And then, you know, be able to look back on it and, and reminisce in a sense. But also mine's more or less from a business aspect, um, you know, trying to figure out a way to to uh to form a tax write-off if i'm being completely honest uh you know i look around and you see these guys all over social media and you know in the industry that is the waterfowl world and you know i'm sitting there going man my cousins had some good success with it and you yourself ethan you're having great success with it with certain brands and you know what can i do to leverage it and you know get something out of it too right um you know i've been doing it for 18 years and Hey, I, I don't mind a couple boxes of free steel shot. I don't, you know, I don't mind free hearing or whatever, whatever I can get out of it. But, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think what my plan with it is, is eventually to turn it into an LLC and, um, whatever, whatever that holds that's, or whatever is in a store. I don't know yet, but I have the ideas I have are, are definitely media driven. It's mainly videography. Um, you know, I have a couple of GoPros that I've, I've played around with and I'll be busting out more this year. And, and then also actually heavily looking at a drone right now, um, to shoot some more, to shoot some more film, but I'm really, I love the videography side of, of the waterfowl industry. I think it's, it's really cool. Um, there's some really cool shots that you can get and clips that you can put together. So, you know, that's to me, to me, it's a, it's almost a, a second business maybe that I can make out of it. And like I said, a tax write off, <laughs> you know, <laughs> anyway, not to give the government any more money than I have to. <laughs> uh, let's just be honest. But, um, but no, I've enjoyed it. I just started it this past year and um, you know, it's incredible what you can do with an iPhone. Uh, it's absolutely incredible what you can do with an iPhone. And so, um, you know, that's just, that's it. Capturing the moments, you know, I think this next year too, I, I want to focus on more or less, not just the ducks, but the people, um, I like, you know, you talked about it on one of your last podcasts. I think one of the guys, one of our buddies, Matt Hagen, the pictures he shoots are, are really cool of just the people while you're hunting, you know, and we don't take those pictures. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, you're going to get me down a rabbit hole here, but social media has turned waterfowl hunting into who can post the most green as quick as they can. Right, and right. that's not what hunting's about. Hunting's not about shooting the most birds. Hell, I'd love to go shoot out and go shoot, you know, five man limited green. That's great. But it's about, it's more than that. It's about enjoying your time outdoors, seeing God's creation, spending it with friends and family and just enjoying yourself, telling stories, you know, and <clears throat> drinking some beers and smoking some cigars and having good food and conversation. That that's what my plan for the next years to come is, is kind of capturing that, um, that part of the hunting industry and, and, and waterfowl in general, um, I think is, it's a cool story to tell. Well, yeah. And plus now this year, first year running your dog, I mean, mm -hmm. capturing some, like I've, I've Big got time. one video of my dog first year, no pictures, nothing. Yeah. And I wish I could go back and get a few more pictures of my dog this year. I finally started. I don't post them, but I keep them. I love having them, but yeah, yeah it'd be super exciting, especially for you to get some of those photos. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, like you said, Brandon, you know, the, the experiences, you know, and, and a way to, especially for, for guys like you and I, who before Instagram didn't really post a whole lot of personal stuff or hunting stuff. And it's a good way for you to 
share some of those outdoor experiences and yeah and, and do that so that's cool too yeah and i i mean shoot i wish i wish we would have had cameras on our phones back in the day but Corey, you guys would probably remember this better than i do the first time i remember meeting you was at my farm when we went deer hunting and i can't oh, remember I've, I've been trying to think <laughs> if that was high school or college because if, if it were high school it was like it was it had to have been christmas break or something but I it remember, was... I remember y'all coming out to my farm for, to go deer hunting. Is it just us three? Maybe uh, no, I don't think that was the time, Ethan. To go deer hunting, oh, man, I'm almost positive. You okay. were having a you were having a uh, a little shindig there. At <laughs> That's what it was. Yep. Y'all were y'all were in high school. I was a <laughs> freshman in college, and and Brandon and I came back up. You know, or that's what it was. I came. Uh, I had done summer session my first before my freshman year of college, yeah. and I came back up to Memphis for a night or two to see Brandon and my dad and uncle were catching up for a couple of days before um, the fall semester started. And Brandon goes, "I got a little field party we can go to," <laughs> and uh, come to find out, of course, he had him a lady friend there he wanted to go meet up with too. But uh, we came out there. To, we came out there to your deer camp, and there wasn't really any. There was no small shindig. There were some other shenanigans. <laughs> no small shindig sure. at all. Yeah, lit the front field on fire, and people did donuts and tore up our field. And yeah, that was a that was well, a hell of a party. At the, at the time, Brandon had his, uh, his Ford <laughs> Ranger, and man, would that thing plow through some mud. Yeah, the sixteen foot whip on it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> every time I every time I plugged in the CB radio, I blew a fuse. I had to carry the box of fuses. <laughs> oh man. Well uh well Brandon, I'm gonna start with you. I'm gonna kinda of bounce back and forth. Yeah. Uh so you you've kind of grown up hunting all over because you I know you've hunted Tennessee quite a bit. I know you've hunted Mississippi, the Delta, Arkansas, I think some of Missouri. You know, mm-hmm. tell me about you know where all you've hunted and different things like that. Yeah, I've been fortunate to hunt all around um, the the southeast. Really, um, do a lot of good duck hunting. I, I grew up hunting the Delta, Mississippi, um, Tunica, Mississippi. What it once was was a phenomenal hunting place. I mean, Nash Buckingham right wrote about it. Um, the stories of Beaver Dam, you know, those stories go on will go on for ages and ages and ages. But I've been fortunate enough to hunt some of Missouri and and Arkansas all around Arkansas, um, all the Mississippi Delta. And, and of course I've been able to go down to Texas and hunt with my cousin and you see different, different ways. I've coast of Texas, um, and the salt flats, which is, that's a whole different style of hunting. That is wild. Um, and it's a lot of fun, but, uh, but no, um, it's different. It's very different going from different geographies, um, to duck hunt. Things change quick. Your hide changes, your tone of calling changes, your decoys, your decoy decoy setup changes. It is, it's different. It's very different. And I know the past, uh, man, I feel like you've been in Mississippi for a little while now. I know you mm-hmm. somewhat grew up hunting in Arkansas and then mm-hmm. you switched over to Mississippi. What, what drove that change from Arkansas to Mississippi? There's more Mississippi to Arkansas. So, um, my father and several, several guys from, from our church that I attended when I was a kid started a duck club, leaky boot duck club in Tunica, Mississippi. 
and um, and then we bounced. You know, we bounced a little bit. We went. We had that lease, and we had a lease in Brinkley, Arkansas, and then back in Mississippi, and we kind of bounced around a little bit for a couple of years. But um, for the first uh, first handful of years in Tunica, I mean, it was outrageous. I mean, this, the pictures that my father still has, uh, you know, middle of the season and having seven guys in a pit in their limit. I mean, it is a lot of ducks that we were killing. And and we enjoyed our time in Brinkley. I think that was one of the – that was the first club that Corey came to me with, the one in Brinkley. He got to see the, the Leaky Boot Duck Club, but he got to come over to – to the one in Brinkley and, and actually shot his first goose for fact. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. And then Corey, I, I imagine you weren't driving from Knoxville to Arkansas or you primarily did most of your hunting starting out in Oxford, right? Yeah. So when we first started hunting in college and I always, I always tell people, you know, I think the way I did it was a nice route to go because it makes me appreciate. I started out hunting public and have over the years worked you know into more and more private clubs and leases and i still do some public hunting here and there but uh i I always say it's got to be easier doing it that way than to go from hunting mainly private to just public because it's definitely a different a different workout um but when when i first started hunting in college with brandon we were mainly hunting o'keefe wma like we talked about earlier and um, we went a little bit around oxford sardis and some different areas around there and we can get into some funny stories about a, uh, a spot that Brandon and I found, you know, mm-hmm. later on. But uh, I, I started out doing that, that public hunting for three or four years there in college. And then when I moved out here to Texas, well, let me, let me back up in that period of time, Brandon and I, like he talked about, we're fortunate enough to, to start doing some hunting over in Arkansas and Brinkley and some different clubs over there when uh, his dad joined a new club in Arkansas and then, and then Brandon got involved in some different clubs in, in Mississippi and Arkansas. We got to hunt that. And then when I moved to Texas after college, I immediately um, found a lease out here and have hunted some different areas um, in the Katy Prairie, Garwood, Eagle Lake, El Campo, um, out that way, as well as the coast um, of Texas. And so to Brandon's point, it's 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 cool to see different areas. I haven't hunted um, as far north as he has, like Missouri, um, but I've hunted Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee, Texas, um, a little bit of Louisiana. And it's, it's always cool to see different setups, whether it be your, like he said, your decoy spread, your hide, you know, your, your calling that the level of calling that, that y'all do over in Arkansas and Mississippi Delta is vastly different than the amount of calling that we do in, in South Texas. I've got buddies that, you know, Zane Howard and some of these other buddies that I have down there, you know, there's a, there is a little bit of public land in Texas. I couldn't tell you a thing about it. I know some guys hunt cattle ponds, and then, you know, I guess you could hunt the coast and there are different things like that. But what are you guys primarily hunting? Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, Zane's a good guy. He's um, he's hunting more of that north Texas, northeast Texas, bordering Arkansas. So it's still more, you know, some public, <laughs> some timber, more traditional green heads, gadwalls, wood ducks. You know, Texas is such a big state. To Brandon's point earlier, it could be completely different when you're hunting the coast of Texas versus a cattle pond in North Texas versus peanut fields in West Texas or, you know, a, a public timber spot in Northeast Texas. But 
primarily what we hunt down here is an area um, called the Katy Prairie. It's west, you know, west of Houston by about an hour and a half between Houston and Austin. And there's kind of a little triage of areas in there called Garwood, Eagle Lake, and El Campo. And the majority of the duck and goose hunting um, in that in this area is out there. You've got some good duck hunting on the coast and some good duck hunting east of Houston over towards Anahuac and over towards Beaumont. But the area I hunt, it's a lot of rice fields. It's majority rice fields, fallow fields, um, just, you know, less than less than 12 to 16 inches of water and um, big open, open fields. And we're not seeing a large number of mallards in that area. So the way that we call, for, at least for the guys who are trying to do it right, it's going to be vastly different than the guys who are hunting flooded timber and primarily targeting mallards because you can call it those birds and they respond and they sometimes, you know, not every day, but a lot of days they need that. And they, they love that, you know, out here, it's a little bit of a pintail whistle, maybe a teal call, occasional chuckle. And often the guys who are calling too much are hurting more than they're helping. Um, we're seeing more, a lot of pintail, teal, some gadwall, a lot of shovelers, um, but very few mallards and, and you know, so that's that's kind of some of the differences there. Really, yeah that that is incredibly interesting and totally different than what Brandon and I are used to. Because I mean, Brandon can tell a little bit more about it, but I feel like the birds were we're hunting or somewhat. Of, I mean, depending on what part of the par- property you're at. I mean, we're running traffic for the most part. Uh, but Brandon, I'll let you jump in on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're, I mean when you're hunting the timber spots or a timber over a field, especially targeting the big birds like mallard, I mean, they want that reassurance. They want that, they want that chatter. They want that hard call, you know, and, and it was wild for me, you know, going to, when I, when I got to hunt the coast of Texas out in the salt flats, um, you know, I got out there and I started hammering down on my Mondo thinking, you know, (laughs) I'm Jim Bronquist, baby, I'm getting down on it. And it, the guide immediately was like, Hey, 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 you know, calm down a little bit. And I started watching him call and it was, it was wild. It was very different. And you can see these birds coming off, coming from miles away. It's all flat and it's all low. And then you get, you know, you get in our neck of the woods and you know, you're familiar with it, Ethan. It's, and Corey, you're familiar with it from hunting, hunting up here with us. And it's, it's just different. You got to make that sound. You got to have, you got to make that noise to, know, to target so they can target where you're at. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of timber uh, in the in the Mississippi Flyway, especially in the in the Delta region, and you know they they need that reassurance before they before they cut them wings and fall down from the sky. Very different. And to no. your point, Brandon, it's it's so cool doing that. And you always hear me talk about, man, I can't can't wait till this year, whether it me, you know, be me going with with some guy I'm photographing with, or coming to join you for a for a fun hunt up there in Mississippi, or Arkansas. That flooded timber, man, it's it's so different because to your point, you've got to be calling to let those birds know, Hey, we're down here and we're having a good time and we're happy and content. And often by the time you see the birds, you're shooting them. They're falling in the hole. Whereas like you said, where it be on the coast of Texas or out in these rice fields where it's open and flat and you, you know, you see them coming from a, a ways away. It's totally different. You see them coming, you know, on most days and, and when you're targeting those different species and it's very few mallards, you're better off setting a good spread with motion and, and letting that do the talking for you. You get guys out there and you see them start hammering on those calls and sometimes they like it, but sometimes it'll deter them. It's, it's interesting. There's days where I, 
I can't wait to get up to Arkansas with y'all and climb the timber so I can hammer down on that on that call until <laughs> my you know until my throat's sore. I'm going hell yeah. Let me get out here and and blow with these ducks and and you know Brandon and I have a have an uncle who hunts in uh, in Fair Oaks, Arkansas, and he's got a badass club over there. Mm-hmm. Unreal club. And, I mean, that's an oh, understatement. <clears throat> I mean, I didn't get the uh, the pleasure of hunting with him last year, but two or three years ago, I got up there to join him and it's nothing for them to shoot, you know, eight man of mallards two, three days in a row. And for them, you know, it would, it would offend some people when they're going, Hey, how many scraps you need here and there? And to them, your scraps is your gadwalls and wood ducks and teal to fill your, to fill your strap, you know, <laughs> and you know, being, being a guy who's hunting, you know, in Texas where we are targeting teal and wood ducks and shovelers and, and pintail, I'm going, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa trash ducks those are those are are, that's our strap right there man you know so but uh but he's got an old ps old call that's just about falling apart and man he can hammer down on that thing and we'll be in there in the in the woods with him and brandon i've seen him we'll get some birds circling on a day and they need a little reassurance and he will hammer down on that call so loud that your eardrums are bleeding and those birds will drop in and you just can't you can't get away with that in some parts of the country, but in areas like you know Arkansas and Mississippi Delta and that timber, sometimes you got to do it. Yeah, it, 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 that just kind of reminded me about hunting in Kansas. Same deal. I mean, you got a lot of competition, but on a day that it's not a bit, it's not busy on the public land. I mean, you don't have to hammer the calls. I mean, the birds just the birds are there. I mean, just light calling, it'll work them in just fine. Yeah, but. That, that is definitely interesting hearing the, the comparison between the two. It's different and it's fun. And, and you know, it makes me think of a, a couple of years ago, I got to go join Brandon at, uh, at his club in Mississippi and, and I had flown in, I was back home for Christmas. So I didn't have gear or anything. He goes, look, man, come on over, add a couple of days onto your trip. I got an extra gun for you. I got waiters. I got everything. And I was so thrilled, you know, Brandon's pretty good on a duck call and, and he could have handled it on his own. He, He's got a lot more experience than me and, and knows how to blow a damn duck call. But he goes, here you go, man. I'm a, and he took his Monta, Mondo, his uh, R&T Mondo off of his strap and handed it to me. And he goes, he goes, you hammer down on this and all. And he had like a short read call he was blowing. And I was so thrilled to be back in the timber where I could sit there and just blow that duck call at those ducks all day long and just make some chatter, you know. Hell yeah, we get to, we get to talk to them. We get to talk to them and see if they're going to play. So it's fun. Oh man, there come two years ago, man. Brandon and I were in this sweet little honey hole, and I mean the birds were working and they were loving the call. But man, by the end of it, we could hardly breathe. It felt like we smoked a pack of cigarettes. We were just the two main <laughs> guys calling, and both of us were hitting mondos. And by the end of it, we we're like, man, I'm 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 gassed. I can't I can't blow this call anymore. My fat ass was sweating, dog. I was sweating. <laughs> Yeah, but the twelve pack of zebra cakes didn't help. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Corey, uh, oh, man, I'm, I'm you got me real interested in this whole Texas deal. Have you guys killed a uh, cinnamon teal yet, or have you killed? We one? haven't seen it's one. All, yeah, oh. one of the guy, one of the guys in my club, um, he shot two last season, but I've yet to get one, and you know they're still super rare down here, but it's getting that South Texas area. There are, there are opportunities to shoot some. And um, so it's definitely on the list. You guarantee as soon as, as soon as it gets shot, you're going to be getting that text message with a picture, but uh, not yet. Uh, not yet. 
guarantee there'd be blood if Brandon and I killed one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brandon, I'm excited. For those who don't know, Brandon just joined our club. He's been an honorary member for uh, <laughs> two years now. <laughs> uh, still waiting to see if he's going to get voted in this year. We'll see. You know, we're, we'll, we're going to hold a group meeting. But uh, if he does make it, I'm excited to have you. This year, we got a got a lot of big projects lined up. Corey, uh, down in your neck of the woods, I'll, I'll move to Brandon after this. Are you guys seeing, you're talking about flooded rice fields. Is that a common thing for Texas? Is that something you don't really see? In our area, that is primarily the food source, I would say. Um, you know, going back to earlier, it's interesting, you know, again, it's almost like you've got three or four different quadrants and, and Texas is a huge state, but you've got like West Texas and those guys up there, they're shooting mallards and widgeon and, you know, lesser Canada's and they're hunting cranes over peanut fields and, and, um, shooting, you know, big geese and, um, in wheat fields and, and, and Milo fields. So that's kind of one realm. Then you've got the guys, um, in what I call North Texas, more North, Northeast Texas, Wichita falls all the way over towards, you know, north of Lufkin, that area, it's a mixture of fields. They're kind of, some of them are getting right up towards that Oklahoma border. They're hunting fields, they're hunting some flooded timber, um, and they're getting, again, some mallards up there, a mixture of um, other ducks and, and some geese. Where I'm hunting in the Katy Prairie, Garwood Prairie, you know, it's Garwood, Eagle Lake, El Campo, kind of a, a little triangle of farming cities there. It is a lot of rice fields. Occasionally you'll have a little bit of corn, but majority of it is rice or fallow fields. And um, it's interesting, you know, like my brother-in-law down here, he grew up, he grew up west of Houston and, and Katy. And even when he was in high school, the Katy Prairie was like the goose capital of the world. I mean, when you exit in Katy, Texas, 40 minutes west of Houston, it's wild. There's, yeah, there's a water tank with geese painted on it. And there's a statue of, geese you know on the exit and now that's like a a mall and neighborhoods when you exit there but it used to be nothing but rice fields and and my brother-in-law tells me stories he's only a year and a half older than i am but he talks about when he grew up out here in high school you know in the early to mid you know early 2000s 2005 2006 there were rice fields right there by the high school and he could wake up go shoot a limited duck shoot a couple geese and then make it to class and now that's neighborhoods and you know that's times change and and areas expand but uh we don't see as many snow geese down here as we used to we still get a good number of geese you know a lot of speckle bellies a good number of snow geese a, a good mixture of ducks but from the guys that i talked to and you know some of the hunting guys that i photographed for and made connections with over the past handful of years you get these guys who talk about 20, 30 years ago. It's crazy to hear what it was like. Um, and so some of that shifted West, but, but to answer your question, a lot of it is still rice fields. Um, there are some little timber spots here and there. It's not anything like, you know, Arkansas or Mississippi Delta. It's more, it's more sloughs and just little pockets here and there where you can get your, your gadwalls and your model ducks and, and, and wood ducks. Um, yeah, but, Cause you get, you guys don't have a whole lot of, uh, I'm, I'm, solely basing this off san antonio and austin there's not a whole lot of oak trees down there or any kind of nutritious tree that would have a food source for it's, ducks, it's right? not you know you don't 
you don't have a whole lot of that. You've got a, a lot of flat land, a lot of people farming, you know, rice and some cotton, some other things. But as far as duck food, it's either rice or it's just a flooded flat. <clears throat> and does it, does te- you- the state of Texas have any incentives for guys to put trees back on the landscape like Arkansas? You know, I don't know if they do. I, I do know that there's um, some of the guys that I run with down here really trying to focus on different incentives and things like that to keep ducks around. And, and a lot of them talk about talking to their farmers and saying, hey, can you keep water on these flats longer to allow these birds when they're coming back up from Mexico, you know, to have a, a, a spot to, to land. But as far as government incentives, I'm not sure what there is out there. I know it's definitely changed. And some of these guys are moving to different farming techniques and even some of them are moving away from traditional rice into like a rice tech and some different you know they they skipped a second cut so even some of that's different um, yeah i mean i feel like texas if, if you wanted the opportunity to run moist soil i mean you got prime location for it right if, what, you, if you can dry it out and run moist soil you got you got the honey hole it, it is and and going back to earlier i mean like North Texas, you know, we've got a good buddy who he, he moved to Florida in the past year or two, but Brandon and I, his good friend Zane, um, lived outside Dallas. And up there, it's, it's a different landscape. It's not much rice fields. You're, you're trying to find cattle ponds <clears throat> to hunt on. Um, anything outside of cattle ponds, you got to go to up to Oklahoma to start, you know, or Wichita Falls an hour and a half, two hours northwest to start finding fields. But we are blessed down here to have a lot of rice fields within <coughs> 30 minutes to an hour of, of where we're at. And, um, it is interesting. You you have a lot of debate with um, the LCRA, the Lower Colorado River Authority, and these farmers are pulling water from the LCRA to pump these fields and, and flood them. And you've got people over in Austin, you know, who who live out that way, and they're fighting with the farmers pulling water for their crops because they want their lake to stay at a certain level so that their docks floating on these dry years. So you've got some of those politics <laughs> and some different things. Um, but there is a lot of good farming going on and, and it, you know, times change. It's not as much farming as there was 20, 30 years ago, but there is a lot of farming in this area. And, and to your question earlier, you do have people who farm for ducks and then you have a lot of farmers who are just traditional farmers and they just lease their land out outside of that. And, um, then some clubs kind of take it over during those winter months and try to do what they can to shoot some birds over it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's not, it's not uncommon for Brandon and I, you know, at our place, we weren't allowed to hunt in the afternoons at all. So as soon as we'd get done with the hunt, we'd get back to the house, change clothes, eat lunch. Brandon and I'd jump in the truck and just drive around for four or five hours until it got dark out. Brandon, what, what are some of the things you're seeing in Arkansas that have changed since you've <clears throat> yeah. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Mississippi too, but from an Arkansas standpoint, <clears throat> there's, the waterfowl industry has exploded and it exploded years ago when duck dynasty took to the air. And when that happened, I think the most drastic thing I, I, I have seen and guys that are around our age and older that have, have seen in that specifically Arkansas area is corporate money coming in and buying up land and turning it into these, you know, farming for duck clubs. Yeah. Investing a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort into into farming for ducks um there's anything bad with it i mean hell if i had the money and i had the resources i'd probably do the same thing um but that's the that's probably been the 
most drastic thing money that's come into Arkansas of this land and and form these massive clubs um, and, and have imprinted these ducks, you know, and, and, and can make life challenging season for for guys that just lease a club, you know, during the winter months. Um, you know, in, in the state of Mississippi, it's it's almost a, an unspoken battle right now between farmers and, and duck hunters. Um, and we've we saw it the past couple of years when i was when i was back in tunica um these farmers are wanting to charge outrageous prices for to, to flood their fields um and they're and they're not going to let us manage the water on them um and they expect us to pay these prices that just don't make any sense uh, because of farming practices they've changed they've these farmers have figured out that it does not make sense to keep water on these fields during the winter they dry it out they can actually harvest quicker they, they can actually plant quicker and harvest quicker and get more turns out of the crops so in the mississippi delta in particular i think it's almost it, it's duck hunting's dying in the delta mississippi and it's sad um and mississippi the mississippi wildlife fishing game they're they're doing as much as they can they've teamed up with ducks unlimited and delta waterfowl to make these public lands and, and trying to manage them properly and they did a great job. They've done a great job. I mean, you know, being able to go hunt in Lambert, Mississippi, just, you know, an hour and a half away, two hours away from, from Ole Miss was nice. And being able to get a draw hunt down at Mount Mason in the Greenwood area, you know, some nice duck property down there that, that the state did a great job of managing, um, you know, but all in all, you know, for Arkansas, it's the corporate money and the Mississippi, it's these farmers are, are finding different practices to farm. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's starting to ruin duck hunting. Um, and it's, and matter of fact, you know, not even to change subjects, but on one of your other podcasts, you asked the question to one of your guests and asked, you know, do you think the flyway is shifting? And I think, I can't remember who it was, gave a great answer. It's not shifting, it's shrinking. Yeah. And, and when I heard that answer, I go, that's it. That's the answer. I, I agree a hundred percent with that answer. And I think it's, I think it's just tightening up. I don't think these ducks um, have the habitat or managed habitat in, in the Mississippi Delta any longer. I think that they are imprinted on, on the, the government land um, that we can't hunt, you know, um, and then they're imprinted on these major clubs and it can, and it makes life pretty challenging. And of course the weather doesn't, hasn't helped up until this past year. So yeah, that it's kind of a good way of, of answering your question there, I think. Yeah. And, and I've been, curious you know are are these large private clubs are they doing more than public land you know i, I that i don't know that's the answer i i don't know a definitive answer to but i mean i i think some of these bigger clubs are helping out you know they're they're holding ducks they're they're keeping ducks but yeah uh, the the hard thing is what's detrimental to waterfowl is no one's going to stop building like yeah. Corey was talking about earlier, you know, an amazing spot that held a bunch of birds is now a mall and a high school or neighborhood, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a huge deal too. I mean, and you know, as, as these cities grow and as these States grow, you're going to lose more of that land. And, you know, I, I agree with you, Ethan. I think that some of these clubs do help. I think it's, I think it's good and bad. You know, it's, it's good because they are holding ducks and, and they're usually doing a good job of managing them in the afternoon, you know, not hunting the afternoons, not putting a lot of pressure on them, letting them rest 
you know, so that they can take their clients out the next day and shoot birds. Um, but then I do think it, it has hurt from a sense and, and the ducks are getting smarter. I mean, they're, they're just, I'm, there's, they're a very smart species to begin with, but they've, they've adapted very well um, throughout the years, even just in the 18 years that I've been hunting, they've, you know, now you've talked, you talk about it a lot, Ethan, uh, you know, the, the, they feed, they're feeding at night. I think that they know, they know where they can go in the afternoon and not be pressured. They know where they can stay in the morning on government land that, you know, can't be hunted. You know, these sanctuaries, I think, you know, these birds are smart and they, they, they you know, co- the Cohen wildlife lab does a great job. And, oh and man, it's incredible. Birds and, and you see it, you watch these birds won't leave more than 10, 15 miles from these preserves, these sanctuaries and, and they get comfortable. I mean, hell, I mean, it, they've adapted to the environment around them. Yeah. And Dennis and Billy, they talk about that quite a bit. Corey, I don't know if you have, if you've had a chance to meet or meet them or talk with them or hunt with them, but they talk about that quite a bit on some of their podcasts. You know, we, we have all of these duck sanctuaries and all this public land and, you know, they're, they're so imprinted on X, Y, and Z spots. They know, hey, I'm safe here. What if there's some kind of rotation? I know this will never happen. I wish it would. I wish there was an opportunity to at least discuss it. But if you get a one-for-five deal, one out of five years, you know, you take that public land where it's public land that you can hunt, but you change up the boundary lines on it. Yeah. You can hunt yeah. this spot. Yeah. That way, it shakes it up a little bit. It gives other other guys the opportunity to hunt, but also it doesn't just it imprints them on that spot, but it moves them around a little bit. It doesn't just focus them primarily on this spot. You know, if we're if we're reducing our hunting grounds and selling property to land developers that are building residential commercial buildings on it, why not why not shift things up if they're going to change the rules and take away habitat why not yeah you know move and, things around and i i mean that would be a that'd be a great idea or even just rotating the wmas you know i mean like you oh said, man absolutely bring up these sanctuaries like shut down a shut down biomeda they want to pull water off the trees you know shut it down and then rotate open up you know a government sanctuary refuge you know for a season for two or two seasons and then rotate. you know there's all kinds of ideas out there i mean you know, not to make it a political thing, but you know, the our former president up towards the end of his of his tenure in the White House, he was taking a lot of these government lands and opening them up for public use. Um, it's been done before, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, we all pay taxes for heaven's. You know, I, I don't think there should be any that you can't harvest animals on. Um, now, a rotation like you mentioned, Ethan, I think it would be a phenomenal idea. Yeah. it's that would be really good. I'll take a one for 10, you know, just, just yeah. something. Give yeah. throw me a bone here. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I mean, it's, it's, it's no secret. Birds have adapted and they figure they've gone nocturnal. They go nocturnal. I mean, it's, it's not a secret any longer with the technology that we have and, and the way we're tracking, you know, you got to mix it up a little bit, but then what the issue you're going to run into is are, are people saying, well, the duck numbers are down and, you know, I don't know if counts duck, they don't, but I don't, I don't know how you can get a accurate count on these. Ducks. I really don't. Um, but I mean, listen, this past January, a bunch of birds in Arkansas, cause we finally got 
that's another thing too is you, you got to have weather i mean it, it's well, that's the first time in seven years we've had this, this real weather it's all fun talk but until you have weather it doesn't mean anything right? once 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 the weather hits that's when it gets fun because the birds get squirrely they don't know what to do oh yeah and speaking of that brain i'm glad you brought that up Corey, did what was, did y'all experience good weather in january this year because normally that's not that hasn't been the case in arkansas for the past several years but it seemed like january this year man it just turned on i would say that down here it's it is driven by weather but it's i think it's a lot more driven by moon phases um oh. you know where where i'm at it's like we can eat language <laughs> getting me excited over here i, I want to bring i can't wait to bring this up. i don't want to get you all riled up here and start talking about you know you know, you're, uh, you're, uh, what, what am I trying to say? You're, uh, the correlation with, between, no, the correlation between deer and ducks with moon phases. <laughs> Some guys don't believe it, man. I'm, I do. Well, well, here, here's what it is. When we're talking about the areas I'm at, you know, most of the time when we're hunting, it's, it's 40, 50 degrees, you know, anything below, anything below 45 is what guys down here would call a cold day. Um, we rarely get freezing temperatures here and there. We'll get some, some small freezes, but thirties is cold. Um, and, and I, I miss some of that, you know, I, I wish we got a little more snow and some different things, but it's not like you get all of a sudden a cold front and a fresh push of birds because think about it, you know, there's gotta be a lot of cold weather North of us before that hits down here. I think you see more moon phases, birds moving on moving on full moons um that moves them in you you get a full moon paired with a little bit of a cool front that moves birds but it really comes to pressure down here you get a lot of teal and pintails early in the season i mean we have a phenomenal early teal season in september and we'll have pintails down here by october it comes down to pressure i've hunted areas where guys do a good job of not pressuring them and we can manage our birds throughout the season and get some good moon faces paired with some cool fronts and you have a pretty good season. Then I've seen some other ones where guys want to get out there and hunt, you know, five, six days a week. And you can't shoot up a spot five days a week and expect birds to keep coming back there. They're going to find other places <laughs> to go where they're not getting shot at. So down here, it's, it's more management of your area than it is hunting fronts. Don't get me wrong. I've, you know, I did a, I did a public hunt on the coast six or seven years ago. And you could actually see it happen. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I mean, we were hunting, at, we were hunting out of a, um, we weren't hunting out of a boat, but we got to our spot by boat and then parked it and walked in and we were standing in the mud. You want to talk about realizing you're out of shape? Walk 30 yards through the oh. through, through the salt water and mud on the Texas coast, and you'll quickly be huffing and puffing. But mm-hmm. it was kind of a slow morning, and then you see this front blowing, you feel it. And then it's like it turned on at 1030. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's a, it's, it's definitely different. It's not like, it's not like Missouri, Arkansas, where you see that, you know, you see that cold weather, that snow move in and you've all of a sudden got this fresh push of birds. It's, it's definitely different. You know, it's different down here. Yeah. When you said 1030 push of birds, that's, uh, <laughs> that's interesting. Ethan's, I'm usually at the gas Ethan's station. back by 930 at the cabin. He's already had, he's already had him a limit of biscuits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> biscuits drink buck wide. Yeah, <laughs> Brandon always that dude. That's the one thing he posted me the most so about. He's like, dude, what? You've been eating this whole time, and I gotta eat breakfast. 
Oh, I heard you wanted to call that turkey hunt short the other day because you wanted to get back and get you a salmon biscuit. <laughs> yeah. I heard about that. He said you didn't even want to leave the camp house. You said, you sure we want to go turkey hunt or we just want to sit here and fire up some scrambled hey, eggs and bacon and sit around hey, and man, stories? I, I cooked a whole tray of biscuits, a dozen eggs, sausage. Every, I was ready. I, I know what I'm getting. <laughs> I'm getting them. I'm getting them. I'm getting them. Portable black top so that he can carry out there so we can duck hunt longer because we'll still be sitting there and birds will be flying all over the place and that knucklehead is going y'all want to call him 15 I'm going fuck ethan we've seen <laughs> what are you talking about let's sit here for another hour you know what you know what brandon that's a that's a good segue there you know we've talked about the science of ducks and we can sit here and try to predict where they're going to go and win but let's move over to some lighthearted stories why don't you while you're on the topic of uh how long you hunt and what kind of snacks you got Tell, tell everybody about that uh, <laughs> over at your club at Brinkley there. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we want to do story time. Yeah, so we, we uh, it was it was a group of four of us. is Corey, myself, my buddy Miles, who was a member at the club, his, him and his father, and, and our buddy Zane. And, and uh, we'd had a s- slow morning up against a timber row over a, a cornfield. It was awesome set, really, really cool. Well, we're sitting out there, and and uh, we go to sit out there, and you know, old ducks, and it's slow, and and I go, I go, you know what? I'll be right back. I'm gonna go grab us some some uh, live And so I ran back to the, I ran back to the clubhouse, and I got a big bottle of whiskey, a couple cans of coke, chase it with, and then got a bunch of pecan pinwheels and donuts, and rolled back out there. And boy, I tell you what, I mean, uh, we. Uh, we hammered the whiskey and we hammered the <laughs> and at one point we thought we thought we you know we're getting some good you know good flights and i looked at the guys and and they were starting to lose faith i'd lost faith three hours ago i was just trying to get <laughs> and, and, well it was it was uh either late december or early january yeah and it was about still 55. optimistic no, no <laughs> Yeah, and Corey was still so green to it that he was he was wanting to set out there and shoot try to shoot some birds and I had nowhere to be and I was just trying to get some action, man. I'm just you know all about it. And it was it had to be what, Brandon, 60, 65 degrees and yeah. by mid afternoon. It was hot. And I told him, I said, All right, so here's the deal. I said, uh I could t- I could see they were all losing faith. And I said, Here's the deal. We didn't have a we didn't have a dog with us on that hunt. No, we didn't. And I said, Here's the deal. I said, if y'all shoot a bird. I'll strip down butt naked and I'll swim out there like a damn dog and pick it up with my mouth. These three sons of bitches went to go blowing their duck calls as hard as they could. <laughs> I, any single bird that came by, they were hammering them, hammering them. And I'm, I started getting scared for a little bit. I'm going, oh, crap, I'm going to be a butt naked and jump in this water and swim out there like a dog. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Anyway, that never I never had to do that, but. I did like well, we, I did money. I did drop we, I did drop my drawers and there was a picture taken and it ended up in the slideshow reel at my rehearsal dinner. But you know, it is what it is. We didn't want to see him get down to skivvies, um, but we did want to see him have to swim out there and retrieve a retrieve a bird with his mouth like a like a dog. But uh man, we just couldn't convince any to do it. It was sixty five degrees and the birds were moving on other places, but we, we sure tried you know i mean i mean listen most most duck hunters understand you know you get on those slow hunts it doesn't hurt to have a couple beers with you now if there's any game wardens listening to that i've never drank in a pit i've never drank in a blind i've never drank when i'm hunted 
you just heard stories. I've just heard stories, but you know, <laughs> you got to You got to get the juices flowing at some point. Hey, I don't well, well, one of my favorite parts about that story is we were hunting a pit that morning, and then and then Brandon goes, "Well, do we just want to kind of make it an all day thing and switch to that? You know that that levy blind?" And I go, "Yeah, let's move over there." And the guy, one of the older gentlemen who uh, was in that club, oh gosh. Real, real country fella, and uh, he goes, "Boys, yeah, I know y'all don't got you a unit this weekend, so why don't you borrow my side by side and get you a little more mobile?" <laughs> said, All right, well, that sounds good. We're a couple college kids, and you know we don't mind having a, a Polaris to roll around in. He goes, get, "Go in there, grab my Ranger, get you a little more mobile for the weekend, get get you around where you need to go." Be careful now. I accidentally cut the brake lines on it when I was cleaning some of that rice double out of there. So when you get where you're going, you let off the gas and just kind of cruise on in where you need to be. <laughs> well, sure enough, that mid-afternoon hunt, Brandon went back to go use the restroom and grab some snacks. The next thing I know, he comes rolling in about about drove that ranger into the damn field and about three foot of water. And here he comes wading through and he's got a handle of whiskey and a bag of pinwheels and a <laughs> motley mixture of beer and uh well we had a good afternoon <laughs> yeah sounds like it well Corey, uh the the club you're in you guys have any big projects you're taking on this summer man nothing really right now everything's pretty much established we got a good group of guys um we switched up a little bit i i um got in with a new group of guys this past season and they're they're a good time most of them around our age and uh it's fun to hunt with them because, you know, we're, we're all passionate about it and enjoy it, but also kind of like-minded and, you know, have family and kids and the difference down here with some of these clubs like ours, you know, cool thing about y'all's club is you can go for the weekend and it's truly duck camp and you go and you stay a lot of ours. We can have the option of staying overnight, but we also are, you know, an hour from house and we can come back and be home in time for lunch with wife and kiddos and keep everybody happy. So, there's pros and cons of that, but, uh, we got a new group of guys that we're hunting with out here and they're all, you know, they're all good time and everything's pretty much set up. There's some minor things to do here and there, but most of it's just brushing the blinds come, you know, come August, September, get ready for two. Must be nice. Brennan, uh, I know we're all pretty ambitious. What, mm-hmm. uh, what are some of your plans you think we can actually get done this year? We let's call it let's call it year one we know it's year two we, but we, it's year one we got boat trails i mean the property we have is a great property if we can get the water to get managed on it you know with help from the farmers and stuff like that but you know cutting boat trails baby that's all that's it we got to get it back some of these in these tight spots um and and back uh back in the areas where we found the ducks i mean you saw it ethan and i think i sent Corey the video i mean there are a couple spots on the property that we were just it was plumb full of ducks. I'm talking mallards galore. It was the wildest thing. Um, and no way to get there. And no way to get there. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, for anybody that's listening, Ethan runs our club. So it's up to him what we do, but we don't want to, <laughs> we, we got to, we got to figure out year over year how we want to, how we want to play this. But I think the biggest thing is just cutting trails for us um, at our place. And, you know, that's that, you know, that the property and, you know, hats off to Ethan and, and, and Matt, his brother-in-law, done a hell of a job 
throughout the years. I mean, when I got Ethan into, into duck hunting, it was kind of like you, Corey. It was like overnight there was just this, you know, crazy enthusiasm for duck hunting. Probably Ethan way more than Corey from a fighter. <laughs> but, you know, I got a hats off to, to Ethan. I mean, I think I've told you, Corey, it's, it's impressive what, you know, they've been able to do year over year over year and, you know, you know, I wanted to join the club this past year and um, I just couldn't, I just, you know, I, I knew what we had and, and, you know, and then spending that time over there this year, you, you know, I told you, Ethan, you've done a heck of a job, man. You know how to, you've picked it up, you've picked it up, you've researched a lot, you've figured it out. Um, and, you know, a guy that runs a duck club like that, you know, has to have somebody like you running it because hell, I don't want to be on the phone as much as you are. That sounds fucking miserable, but, um, you know, I, I appreciate that. I think, I think the property that, that we have where it's located on a, on a, on a central water source, like, like we are, and I won't give it away, but on a central water source, like we are is that's key, man. That's key. And well, shoot, Brandon, you know, I, I knew Ethan was pretty hooked when shortly after you took it, <laughs> thing I know I'm, I'm looking he's looking for extra storage space for his newfound decoys and he's got a collection of anywhere from three to 400 decoys. And next thing I know, he's got this newfound business where he's flocking decoys and storing them say. and selling them. And I'm going, damn nation. If we ever need to flood a field with about 2000, 2000 floaters, I know who I'm calling. Yeah. Well, Hey, I, I feel better. I sold 20 dozen this year and I'm almost done. So I've got like five dozen left. Anybody wants them? Let me know. So I get rid of them. But <laughs> we were living together at the time, and this son of a gun would come home from work, make a quick dinner, and then go out to the shed behind the house. And he'd sit out there with his music playing, three beers next to him, and it'd be flop. Hey, man, I, at the time I couldn't afford brand new Higdon battleships, and uh, finally got to the point that I, I can finally start buying them. And if, uh, Anybody listening from our club, if you're going to buy decoys, don't buy anything else other than uh, Higdon Battleships or Lifetime because <laughs> anything else we're just going to shoot and they're going to sink. And we're not going to use them. That's what? like the biggest stipulation at our club, Corey. We, we can't run trash decoys. Uh, sounds like you all need to step up your shooting if you're shooting that many decoys. Oh, oh it's, your co- it's your cousin. It's your cousin. Dude. No, it's, 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 we have a member. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good dude. He's a great. He's a great. Hunter. But that's some. That's some bitch loves to shoot decoys. He. We had a cripple in the decoys this year, Corey, and and this time a gun pulled up and shot a decoy. He didn't I've even laugh so hard in my life. Twenty five yards from the from the from the live duck, and he he goes he goes my my finger slipped. Well, yeah, I believe that. Andrew's like, like, like just like shoot that bird. <laughs> just like just like just like I believe he shot the banded duck. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a whole different story. Uh, yeah, the the debate's still there. It's like if you're not a member, do you actually get the band? I don't. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> if Brandy doesn't get voted in, no. if Brandy doesn't get voted in, I guess he'll pass the band off to Neil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All oh man! Oh man! But well, we got. Got one last story before we before we close it up. I know we're running a little long here, Ethan, but no, no. I got, I got one last story, and this is another this is another good, you know, afternoon. I don't know if it's afternoon. I think it was, or, or no, it was a morning hunt. 
Where are you going with this, Brandon? Because so I, I got a couple. I got a couple ideas in mind. So a couple. Of, like Ethan's saying, we don't have to wrap it up with one story. Let's yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I, I got stories on both of y'all. Couple, couple years ago, I was in cash and um, and I had I had the group up to hunt me, Corey, Miles, Zane, and uh, we had. Um, we had a lot of fields, we had a lot of fields at that club, but then we had a really, we were right there on the cash river and had a really cool, um, Oh yeah. Some timber, some timber that we hunted, um, had one timber hole and then another pretty good sized timber hole that we had a pontoon blind in. And, uh, and so we had, it had been, it, that was a rough duck season for everybody, but, uh, we had a was rough that, couple of days. Was that 2019? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 28. 1819 18 yeah 2018 1819 yep yeah 1819 year a lot of water terrible year um yeah well that's where the story's going so we're sitting in this pontoon blind we get out there that morning and we took a cooler with us uh with food and beverages and uh floated it out there and water was already pretty hot and get everything set up and you know not much work in that morning and it got slow and so we started passing a fireball around and, you know, having fun, getting loose with it and just, just spending time together, talking, catching up, hadn't seen each other in a while. And, uh, well, little unbeknownst to us, um, three hours, four hours go by, you know, snap of a finger and we're all pretty, uh, really loose. I'll put it that way. Well, to, to, to your point, Brandon, I mean, when, when we get together on some of these, on some of these catch up weekends where it's, you know, me you and and miles and zane it's it's like the college comes back in us you know we hadn't seen each other in a while and we're, we're there to shoot some ducks but uh next thing you know we got cold beer in our hand and things can things can get rowdy and so we're sitting there and, and i guess my invite just gets lost in the mail <laughs> you were you were invited you were, you I, were I'm, I'm sure hayden got invited before i did okay let's not go there and so <laughs> And so we're sitting there in this pontoon blind, and the guy who run, runs a duck club, he uh, he calls me. He says, hey, are you still hunting? I said, yeah. He goes, where are you at? And I go, I'm in the pontoon blind. And he, go, he goes, oh, shit. He goes, dude, he goes, a levee broke on the river. And I go, uh-oh. And he goes, yeah, have you not, can you not tell that the water's up? He, well, I he look, said Cash River's out of its banks. I look out. I look out over the top of the pontoon blind, and all these, you know, buck brush that was there before is no longer there and i immediately go oh shit and we were struggling to get in there to begin with by the way and so so i go i go guys <laughs> first done got out of its banks and there's a flood going on so we so we start packing up everything and we're trying to figure out how in the hell do we get out of this pontoon blind because we don't we didn't take a boat out there we just waited out to it oh and gosh next thing i know our buddy Miles, who's you know six foot two, he just jumps out. And he's like, "It's not that bad." And I'm going, "Yeah, look at the rest of us. We're sub six foot." And so, um, Brandon's five nine on a good day. You, I no, I'm <laughs> but but Corey and Zane bail out and try to you know hustle back to the shore. Um, they try to hustle back to the shore. Well, the 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 mojo went from being two feet out of water to turn into a butt rippler pretty quick, and. uh you know, like you like you said, Miles hopped out. He's he he's probably six three on a good day, and and he's good. And I'd say Zane and I are you know right around six foot. We hop out and we're right at our armpits, really close. And and you're probably five eleven, five eleven and a half, and that half inch that'll get you. Difference maker. <laughs> well, they all get out and they start heading back. 
we still had the cooler and the damn pontoon blind. And I'm going, what are you guys doing? We got a pontoon. We got a damn cooler. So I, I chunked that cooler out like I'm on the Titanic, and I just jump on it. I mean, I wrangle that son of a bitch like a horse. I jumped on it. I look, I looked, I looked like a girl riding a bunkin bull at a bar, and uh, and I jumped on that thing, rolled off the side of it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Ethan, I got a picture somewhere else, in the man. I got a picture of Brandon, and we're all trying to make our way to shore, and Brandon's floating his way in on top of this cooler. Like he's like he's shipwrecked. It was oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that was a day. That was a day right there. I mean, when that water gets out of his bank, it's no joke. It's no oh, joke. I mean, yeah. We, we were in the daybreak call this year and you could see the water as soon as you pull in, you'd be like, All right, marking your trees, kind of figuring everything out in that spot. By the nine o'clock when the sun's already up, you're like, Holy shit, that water's come up another foot. Yeah. Yeah, no, we we have a good time. Yeah, we have a good time. That's why that's why I'm happy to be in the club with all 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 y'all. Um, um, nothing wrong with them with the older guys at all, but they got a you know they have an eight thirty strict bedtime, and you know I like to stay up a little bit and have a couple cold ones. You know, you know maybe blast a couple heaters. You never know. Yeah, right. Brandon's <laughs> first one to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's it's interesting talking about that. I've I've hunted with guys of all ages and it's so fun hunting with some of those older guys who have a lot of you know stories and history and tradition and and uh it just varies you've got some older guys who are still you know just like a kid waking up on christmas morning every day and they're still gung-ho about it and they've got a lot of good stories and you've got others and (laughs) you know i had some guys on, on one of my older clubs and man they could tell some stories about back in the day but then when it came time to hunt you know, they're out there sitting on a bucket like it's dove season. And I'm like, guys, we got to get hidden. This ain't, this ain't, you know, this ain't dove season. We got to get hidden. So it's, it's cool hunting with guys your age that like to, like to do it right and get hidden and have a good time and, and drink a cold beer at night and swap stories around the bonfire. But when it's go time, they're ready to put in the work to brush the blind and, and stay out there and wait for that second flight. Oh man. And I'll, I'll give all the credit to, uh, the one I give, a little bit, not a lot. Don't let your head get big, Brandon. A little <laughs> bit of credit to Brandon. But, uh, man, my buddy uh, Adam Flannery and his dad, Tracy. Mm-hmm. Dude, those those two guys are rock solid. Man, they they ran a club for a while. I was in it with, with them for a year. And, man, those guys, they knew how to do it. They knew how to do everything right. They scouted all their feet. They would – Adam's dad would scout every field – Every single day he was there. Same with Adam. They'd take turns. They'd check out different areas. Man, they taught me almost more than anybody. And they and I appreciate that because you get some of these older guys will tell you stories, but they're not willing to teach you. And then you get some of these guys, they want to pass it on to the younger generation. And I, I think that's super, cool. Super, yeah. yeah, that's when it – that to me goes such a long way. You know, he's he'll never listen to this. I don't – it is what it is. But, man, that he taught me how to – how to introduce yourself, how to, you know, show somebody who you are, you know, this is what I'm willing to do with your property. And it goes a long way, but man, I can't thank them enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, um, uh, the big thing that you talked about there too, and it doesn't matter if you're, especially if you're hunting public, but even if you're hunting a club that, that has a lot of property, um, you got to get out and scout, 
I mean, you got to make sure that you understand your property, you know, and how to do it properly. Right. You know, you don't want to bump the birds, but you, you got to go figure out where they're at to set up in the morning. Um, when you have so much property to hunt, you know, where to put groups at. Absolutely. Yeah. And Br- Brandon's a big advocate for that. I mean, you know, Brandon's not just going to show up and be like, well, we talked about hunting there tomorrow. I don't see any birds, whatever. Brandon's, Brandon's boots on the ground. He's, he's like, let's check every single spot, cross everything off the list. Brandon hunted a, him and Neil, Pat and Andrew mm-hmm. hunted this new spot on our property that I, I think Brandon and Neil went out there to scout it, but y'all did really well that day. Y'all smoked them. But had y'all not done your due diligence and checked every spot, you wouldn't have thought to hunt there that morning. Yeah. It was just kind of no man's land and show up. There's no water the week before you go scout it the day before you hunt it. There's water. Yeah. Like Corey, you've got, you've got a scout. Yeah. Corey said it's fun. It's, it's especially fun, you know, to, to do it with guys that are around your age that like to have a good time, cut loose. But then like Corey said, when it, when, when that clock goes, morning and it's time and you don't you have a little bit of a headache you got drank a little bit too much and you're tired it's the third day in a row you know you're still ready to throw throw on the boots get out there and and go work them that's what i oh, was oh, you, you got a scout you got, you got <laughs> a scout whether whether it's public or private you know or public especially you got a scout but but unless you're one of those clubs that you just got one or two spots and that's what you hunt you know either the birds are going to be there or that's all you have that's one thing but you know like i've always enjoyed it whenever i get to hunt with brandon whether it be you know arkansas or mississippi or whatever whether it's just him showing me the different properties and getting a tour of some of the new properties they've picked up or or scouting the next day it's always fun to kind of pick a plan and and game plan for what we're going to do the next morning and you get excited about it you've got an idea of what you're doing and what your game plan is going to be and how we're going to set the spread and you know which what we're picturing the birds are going to do same thing when he comes down here to hunt with me in Texas, you know, our, our properties are a little bit different. Like I talked about earlier, instead of just being a, a clubhouse in a few fields, it's often spread out. We might have a few fields here and then another couple flooded spots, 15, 20, 30 minutes away. We've got to cover some ground and see what we're working with, you know, if we want to have successful hunts. And, and that worked out to our advantage a few years ago when Brandon came down, you know, we hunted, we hunted a spot on Thursday morning and, and, shot a good mixed bag of birds, just the two of us hunting and we shot close to our two limits, but we wanted to figure out our plan for the next day. And so we left there and before going to grab lunch, we went scout a little bit and we found a field that was loaded up with birds. And the next day we got in there and really got to hammering some birds pretty quick. And you've got to do that. If you want to be successful, if you've got, if you've got multiple spots, you can hunt, you've got to see what's going on. If you just go at it blind every morning, then you don't know what's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's like it's like deer hunting. You just climb in a stand and hope something walks by. Right, right. So, well, Corey, uh, tell everybody how they can find you on social media. What's uh, you know, if they want to reach out to you with any questions or if they want to see your website. Yeah, that my Instagram is uh, it's Rod and Gun Outdoors. Um, the handle is Rod N, so the letter N R O D N G U N Outdoors. Um, and then on there, I've got my website linked and all of that. Yeah, Brandon, what about you? Yeah, mine's just, it's tall underscore timber underscore media. There's not much to it right now. Um, but you know, as I, like I said, I just started at this past year and hoping to get some, some more cool shots of just outdoors and, and 
see what I can do with it. If uh, if you link up with Corey's hat manufacturer, uh, I'll definitely buy one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was going to say – Brandon and I already talked earlier. I think I'm going to go ahead and just try to um, work a deal with you all and outfit the whole club for this upcoming season. Y'all can be officially rotting gun outdoors, endorsed uh, yeah. clubs. Yeah, swipe up for 69% off. Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag code Ethan 10. <laughs> guaranteed, guaranteed to shoot more birds. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And if you don't, reach out to Brandon and he'll give you your money back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Here's his Venmo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, well, guys, I'll put, I, link, I, I'll put the link to his bank account in the uh, swipe up. Yeah. Well, guys, man, I, I glad to have you all on tonight. It's fun talking with both of you. And, Corey, hopefully, uh, you find some time in your schedule to make it up to Arkansas. I know it's a lot easier said than done, but if it works out, you don't have we'll, your Carlton, you can definitely come home with us. We'll make it work, and I feel like you know, I feel like we've got some more, uh, some more stories this year too. So we're probably going to have to have a part two of this and continue it here in the next couple months. I'm glad we made it happen happen tonight, but I'm looking forward to getting up there. And uh, y'all need to get to work and get those uh, boat lanes cut so that we're ready to go this fall. Oh man, we. We're uh we've got a long list of projects. I mean, thankfully we got this place on a three year deal. Year one, it's really gonna be you know doing the basic stuff, getting everything ready for year two. Year two, establish some defined areas. Year three, kill the hell out of them, murder them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan. We'll see. But hey, thanks for well, having guys. Me. Yeah, guys, thanks. Thanks You're again great for uh, jumping a good on podcast. Yeah, no problem. Well, you guys have a good night. Talk to you guys later. Thanks for putting it together. Y'all have a good night. See you guys. See you guys.